Good morning, friends. It's Gary Morris from the DLC Group of Companies Head Office. It is Thursday, November 16th, 2022. I am super stoked for this morning's guest. To all of you in the uh, West, good morning. To all of you in the East, good afternoon. Uh, a lot of you know Bruce Buffer as the, uh, the official voice of the Octagon. I wanted to start by reading his bio, and then we're going to get into a really great uh, conversation with Bruce. Bruce Buffer has been the official voice of the Octagon for the Ultimate Fighting Championship, the UFC, since 1997, and for many other mixed martial arts events worldwide, and is recognized internationally as the voice of mixed martial arts. The UFC is seen worldwide on satellite and cable TV, pay-per-view. He is also seen on Spike TV's hit series, UFC Unleashed, and The Ultimate Fight Night, and now appears on all Fox Network televised UFC events and pay-per-view events viewed by millions worldwide. Buffer is a featured character both on the um, both as the Octagon announcer and as a fighter in nine UFC video games. Bruce has also co-starred with Robin Williams and Billy Crystal on NBC's hit TV show Friends and appeared alongside Antonio Banderas in the motion picture Play It to the Bone. Bruce is ranked as a professional poker player on the pro tournament poker circuit. As president and CEO of Buffer Enterprises, Inc., he manages his entrepreneur ventures. He has proven himself as a motivational speaker and has received praise from top industry professionals for his management and guidance of the successful career of his brother, Michael Buffer, the world most the, the world famous sports and entertainment announcer. His work involves the creation, design and management of all products and promotional licensing surrounding Michael's world famous Let's Get Ready to Rumble trademark, which has grossed approximately 400 million in retail sales of licensing ventures worldwide. Bruce Buffer has expanded the Let's Get Ready to Rumble brand, which has become a part of the American sports culture into all areas of sport, entertainment, and merchandising. Bruce is classified as a true entrepreneur, an announcer, entertainer, a motivational speaker, author, uh, who keeps the viewing public attentive and excited about his products and the events that he represents. Good morning, Bruce. Morning, Gary. How are you? Bruce, it's great to uh, have you on the show. Thank you very much. How you been? Thank you. I've been good. I've been good. Been busy working. Been everywhere from Abu Dhabi to New York to you name it. And uh, we'll be heading out to Orlando, Florida, and um, Vegas again for two big UFCs beginning of the month. But outside of that, I have off until Thanksgiving. But there's no such thing for me as having time off. There's always yeah. Well, you know what? It sounds like that. It's funny. I mean, as I sort of prepared for this uh, this talk today, it's it's just absolutely extraordinary, Bruce. Of sort of you know some of the things you've done. Before we jump into sort of where it all began. Let's go back to uh, just last weekend, uh, Saturday night, Madison Square Gardens, uh, UFC. Uh, what a great event. Great event. Uh, exciting all the way through. Every single fight was exciting. You lead into the main event. Uh, some of the disappointing things of the night, Frankie Edgar, the legendary UFC sure. fighter for some 17, 18 years, retiring after this fight where he was knocked out in the first minute and nine seconds, which was a shame to go out that way. But he's a warrior. Is he losing his dominant uh, position in the middleweight division by losing his belt to a man that has beat him twice before in, in Muay Thai kickboxing, Herrera, and um, hell of a fight there. And of course, the Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier fight uh, was completely off the hook, just a brawl for Crazy. it all. Uh, we knew it was going to be that way. And it, it totally lived up to all the hype. And Carlos Barza and Whaley uh, Chong, you know, their fight was monumentally exciting. It was, it was just a crazy night. Star studded too. everybody from Stallone to Miles Teller, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, who's starring in the new film Roadhouse with Conor McGregor as a co-star. I'll be making a cameo appearance in that film, too. Um, <laughs> tons of people there, tons of fighters, everybody. It was a, it was about as big an event as you can get at the most famous arena in the world, 
Well, and I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. We're going to talk about that wild ride you're on, you know, that we call UFC. Uh, for years and years, you weren't allowed into New York City. And now all of a sudden, you know, that event UFC held, holds the number one and number two spot in gross gate revenue. I mean, this thing has been a rocket ship that you've been on. Yeah, I always like to say that I have a first class seat on a rocket ship that's going uphill and it's just nonstop and it's a great yeah. ride. So it's crazy, Bruce. You know, it's really interesting because, you know, when I, as I get to know you better, you know, obviously we all know you as the voice of the octagon and, you know, we know your brother as, as let's get ready to rumble and the, you know, legendary boxing announcer for, for years. But, you know, that's what's not most impressive to me. It's your entrepreneur spirit and your flair and what you built. And I kind of want to just go back to the beginning. I want to talk about you as a kid. I want to know what kind of kid you were. I mean, I know you left Philadelphia. You were born and raised in Philly and, uh, and, and sort of like the Prince of Bel-Air showed up in Malibu at about 15 years old. Tell us what that was like and kind of tell me what you were like as a kid. Well, you know, uh, as a kid, I was very athletic, always been athletic my whole life. I have amazing parents. I've lost my dad back in 2008. My mother is still with me. Um, you know, she's the light of my life. Always take care of me. I'll always take care of her. And uh, my family and I are very, very close. Of course, you know the story. I met my legendary brother, Michael Buffer, late in life. I never knew he existed. I met him when, he was 20, when I was 28. He was like 43 at the time. But growing up, um, very close family. We lived in a number of places. I was born in Oklahoma. I lived in Dallas, Texas. My hometown is Philadelphia. But moving out to Malibu at the age of 15 was uh, quite a bit of culture shock, to be honest, because I never saw, you know, I saw surfing once when I was 11 in Biarritz, France, and I, and I paddled out to the water, you know, because I had no fear of the water. I've always been a very excellent swimmer. And um, I watched the surfing and I said, I'm going to have to do this someday. I, I definitely have to do this someday. And then we moved to Malibu and boom, waves are cranking, staring me in the face. Uh, we were a middle class family, not rich by any standards whatsoever. We lived in the canyon about a, about a mile from the beach, three quarters of a mile from the beach. <laughs> You know, the celebrities were out there, all the rich people living at the beach. As a matter of fact, the great legendary actor Steve McQueen was a good friend of mine for the last six years of his life. Um, I surfed every day in front of his house and drank beers and with him and his son has been my, one of my best friends ever since. So, you know, it was a, it was a great upbringing. Uh, trained in martial arts very heavily in, in uh, Malibu with one of Chuck Norris's fighting partners. And all I did was uh, basically, you know, I went to school, I played water polo, I swam on the swim team and I surfed and did martial arts. We just surfed and we fought. That's all we did. And, you know, Malibu's yeah. but surfing is a very uh, dominant uh, culture. And there were a lot of fights to be had. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting too, because, you know, I mean, you've been, you obviously have been studying martial arts your entire life. And I think you sort of stopped fighting at around 32. You had a couple of concussions. Uh, yeah. But it was sort of in your blood, and it's it's extraordinary to see where you ended up. You know, it's funny, though, because one of the things that I recognize as I read your book, Bruce, is the entrepreneur spirit, the hustle, the grit, the grind was very early. You were in, you were in school. You were in, in, I don't know if it was high school or elementary school, where you were selling jewelry. You were actually making, was it jade jewelry or something, and selling it to, you know, all the other kids. Yeah, it was, it was high school. And, you know, what it did was, it was a story I told in the book. My, um, I asked my mom for $75 to go on a ski trip, you know, Friday through Sunday. That would have paid for my gas, part of the gas, part of the condo. The lift tickets back then were just, you know, $12.50 or something and, you know, have a good time. So I went up um, to go on the ski trip. First, she said she didn't have the money. And then she came up to me two days later and gave me $75 in cash. And she goes, don't tell your dad. I go, oh, Okay. So I go on my ski trip. I get back two weeks later. Um, I overhear them like about midnight talking in the living room 
about how they can't pay the $575 rent for the house that month and having problems with the other bills. So I went back to my room, you know, teary eyed, feeling horrible, realizing what my meant when she said, don't tell your father. She basically pulled from Peter to pay Paul to get me that $75. And I swore I would never borrow another dime off my parents ever again. And I would make enough money to take care of them the way they take care of me. And I immediately started my, um, my jewelry business. We were uh, going to collectors gun shows uh, as a family unit which I wound up putting on later in life myself as one of my businesses I had. But my dad was a big trader and collector in, in uh, military and gun and artifacts, antiques, and um, like World War II back. So there was always this jewelry vendor there that was selling he, she, and turquoise and um, puka shells and all these popular you know, stone necklaces. <coughs> I learned how to make the necklaces and the bracelets and the earrings and everything from him. And I started clearing like $800 a month. And this is like 1975. <laughs> and, you know, that's like clearing... What is that? That's like learning like four grand a month these days or something like that. It was crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's, it's uh, you know, I, th I think you, you mentioned something. It was, you learned how to negotiate early. I think you had a, a coach that you you said, hey, yeah. I said, he was probably going to pass you anyway, but you said, hey, here's a beautiful necklace. You made the, the nicest necklace you could make and said, give it to your wife. And he was very appreciative and that sort of stuff. And he ultimately did, did actually pass you. But, you know, um, I know in the book you said, you know, it was when I really early on learned how to negotiate. And I thought that was very yeah, interesting. You did, your, you did your homework, Gary. You did your homework. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, that, that, was a, that was a gym class. When I stopped, play, I didn't want to wake up at five in the morning and swim two miles before we started school. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I just basically gave up water polo and gym. And I went to school and I got to get home about 2.30 and I could surf every day. So I was happy. But I didn't go to the gym class. I would go have breakfast across the street because they played badminton and they did no offense to anybody in the gym class, but I just, I didn't think it was beyond me. I just, I just thought took advantage yeah. of the fact it was a time to have breakfast, you know, three times out of the week instead of going to gym class five times a week. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was in danger of failing the class. And I'll honestly say that that necklace did coerce him. No question. Yeah, no question. Hey, uh, to all of our listeners out there, uh, we have uh, Bruce's book. It's time. Uh, it's the uh, 360 view of the UFC. Uh, we're going to give away Kindle gift cards. So if you're, uh, here, uh, send us a message, post on uh, social media. Uh, we'll look at uh, the posts and messaging, and we're going to send this book out uh, and the Kindle version to uh, at least 50 of you. So, um, so Bruce, so, you, you know, so, so walk us through it, because I know when you first started with the UFC, I know originally you waited and waited and waited, and you finally got the call, and, and you know, you did the first UFC, and then the next couple, they had another announcer. And that kind of opened the door for you to go back and grind. I mean, like nothing came easy for you, right? I mean, you know, the, the, the word no, I think, appeared in your life many, many times. Tell us that story because I think, you know, that's a lesson that we can all learn that, you know, the power of tenacity. Well, you know, I, I do a lot of motion, motivational speeches before COVID hit and I'll start doing them again. But one of the key things is Zig Ziglar was a motivational speaker back in the, you know, 60s and such as that. Oh, wow. He had one saying, you need 10 no's to get a yes, right? Yeah. So it's like, don't have no fear of a no. It's actually just getting closer to the yes you want. And you need to ask for the job. You need to ask for the sale. You need to do it. You can't wait for people to come to you. People are like cattle. They need to be prodded. You got to make things happen. So when the UFC, when I did, uh, I went out of UFC 8 in Bayamon, Puerto Rico as an undercard announcer because I was there with a fighter at the time that I managed to give me the chance to get down there to do talk the owner into letting me announce the prelims, convincing him he needed a buffer in the octagon. I'd already had Michael do three of the shows, but I had to pull him. 
convincing him he needed a buffer in the octagon that I could help him build the brand with my media contacts, which nobody wanted to touch the UFC. They were scared to death of, of yeah. the name, Ultimate Fighting Championship. Even ESPN told me, we don't like the name. It's too scary a name. It's like, oh, okay, well, look how things turned around there. They just paid <laughs> the UFC $1.5 billion for the TV rights so and more. So anyway, I got a call after doing one show, UFC 10, then they hired somebody else. And then I got a call to co-star on the TV show Friends in the second season. And they had the they were doing a show with the UFC called The Ultimate Fighting Champion with John Favreau, who went on to be an Iron Man, direct Iron Man, and a whole bunch of other films. And a big John McCarthy and Tank Abbott, who were active in the UFC back then. So I agreed to co-star in Friends. And I again used it as a ploy. I met with the owner on the set. This is a year and a half after asking, you know, for the job and not getting it. And I said, listen, I'm going to ask you one more time. I feel like a girl waiting to be asked to the prom and nobody's asking me to the prom. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you one more time. And I want to grow with you as the announcer. I will help you build this brand. I'm a brand builder. Let's make a deal. Best poker hand I ever played in my life. You know, and then I started announcing every show and I continued to do so for 18 years or more. Until uh, they had so many shows that I couldn't be everywhere every time. And now there's an undercard announcer that fills in for me six, seven times a year, which is needed, you know, because I can't be everywhere. I mean, one time I was in uh, Jersey in Atlantic City or, or New York or someplace. I forget the show. And I had to be in Belo Horizonte, Brazil, 16 hours later in the octagon in a tuxedo. OK, yeah. how am I going to get there? It's impossible. Well, Dana put me on his private jet and we flew down together and. Boom, I did two shows, started a second show in less than 24 hours, you know, in another continent. That's that's almost famous rock star stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely incredible. Uh, it's interesting because one of the people that I admire most, uh, and and you just talked about him, is Dana White. I mean, his tenacity. He was up against everything. I mean, you know, they purchased a very struggling, you know, uh, event company that, that was – that was shut out from every single market. Nobody wanted anything to do with it. And I mean, they had, you know, hundreds of thousands of no's after year, after year, after year, after year. And of course it turned it around to, you know, the fastest growing sport in the world and the most valuable brand, uh, you know, out there now. And it's just uh, such an incredible, you know, story to, to sort of look back on. It's amazing because it's basically gone from spectacle to mainstream sports. Right. And you ask yourself in your lifetime and in my lifetime, I think I was alive when skateboarding was invented. Um, <laughs> But I, you know, never became a skateboarder. I grew up and went to school with Tony Alva and all the Dogtown boys at Santa Monica High School. So I had that experience. But um, no, this is a part of a sport that has become the fifth most watched sport in America. Yeah. And uh, it is it is bigger than boxing worldwide. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, no question. Yeah. You know, the occasional huge boxing. That, no disrespect to boxing. I love boxing. Yeah. It's just the reality and the way things change. It's yeah. funny. Hey, Bruce, you had some bufferisms in the book that I really liked, and I want to just maybe read a couple of them out, and I want your sort of opinion. Maybe you can sort of extrapolate on them. Uh, the first one that I really liked was the warrior spirit forever. What does a warrior do? He fights to his last breath. When he's knocked down, he gets up, and he tries to win the war with whatever it takes until he's dead physically or mentally. I approach everything I do with that same warrior spirit. It's the only way to live. Otherwise, what's the point? I think it pretty well speaks for itself. You know, you've got to have that that ambition you got to have that will to fight you got to have that will to be passionate about what you do because when you do get hit hard you do get knocked down on the canvas in the in the world of business as well as personal life the bottom line is like rocky said you need to get up and you need to move forward and you need to punch harder than ever yeah 
So what I tell people is when it comes to your endeavors in life, if you can find out what you're passionate about, right, and you can monetize that, your warrior spirit will come, spirit will come through stronger than ever. What does Mike Tyson say? Everyone has a plan to get punched in the face. Or as Bruce Buffer said, uh, I hate to talk about myself in the third person, but you never know who you are till you are punched in the face. Yeah, 100%, Bruce. Yeah, that's uh, one of the other ones that I liked. And, uh, you know, you talk about the billionaire, uh, J. Paul Getty. Uh, it was effort uh, efforts uh, than a thousand percent of my own. The billionaire, J. Paul Getty, said this. He was talking about delegation. You can only do so much on your own. If you're successful, you'll ultimately get to the point where you're relying on other people's effort. If you can build a team and get everyone to chip in, you'll go further. If not, you'll be micromanaging your entire life till you're blue in the face. Speaks for itself again. You know, uh, you can only micromanage so far. You can only grow so far when you're doing everything yourself. You're a one-man army. The secret of success, one of the many secrets of success, or a few secrets, is to 100, excuse me, 1% of 100 people's efforts and 100% of your own. I mean, it's one thing to collect... 50% profit on your own product that you're out there hawking and schmocking and shipping and selling and doing everything else. You put a team together and you, you know, you collect your 12, 15%, but your sales have increased 10, 20, 30, a hundred fold. Yeah. Let's be real. Where's the benefit? Yeah. You know, that's a real good lesson for anyone in business. I mean, you know, we, we, we're so paralyzed, you know, we get really good at what we do. And we think that if we don't do it, nobody else can do it as well. And one of the big lessons I learned is that once you empower other people and let them make some mistakes, though, you'll usually only make it once, but it's the fastest way to scale. Bruce, you've scaled incredibly well. I mean, if I look at all the different, you got your, you know, your, your, your newest uh, venture, uh, your uh, puncher's chance uh, bourbon coming out, you got a new cologne coming out, you got an energy drink coming out, you know, talk to us about scaling. Like, you know, how, how do you continue to build this incredible, you know, sort of business? Well, well, how many days a year are you traveling? You're still probably traveling 50 days a year. Oh, easily. You know, I mean, I, I two, three weekends out of the month, you know, which is anywhere from six to nine days a month or more, depending if it's international. Uh, I think 50 is actually light as far. And then that's, that's just for the UFC. You know, then if I have, uh, whether it's Raiders football, I open up for the Raider games or, you know, the Fiesta Bowl wants me to appear New Year's, uh, the last day of the year, all these different things, corporate events, uh, TV, film, you know, the other things I do. But the key thing is something COVID taught a lot of companies that I already knew is that with modern day tech, uh, tech, excuse me, technology, the Zoom calls, you know, the video calls, we are all became destined to do during COVID, right? You don't need big offices with I used to have the 50,000 square foot offices and the 150 employees and all that stuff. And it was much as it was pleasurable in the best of times, it was a nightmare in the worst of times. You don't need to have a huge bottom line to run a business. Wow. And in my business here, like when I do, you know, my puncher's chance bourbon, the, the thing is, is that I side myself with the best company, the best people with the best business acumen and the best product. They've already got everything in place to market and sell Puncher's Chance across the country, soon to be in Canada too, I'm excited to say. Yeah, great. Um, we've won six gold medals. We were called the top five best sipping bourbon at its price range in America today. Um, we're getting kudos everywhere. I'm showing Conor McGregor how to do it the proper way. He never won a gold medal. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Jews. Um, yeah. That's okay. I like to bust up Conor when I can. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. He's lots of fun. Yeah. So, siding yourself with the best people, but I do things – like you hear Mr. Wonderful talk about a shark tank. I do things through licensing. Okay. And I get hired to be the spokesperson, the face of the product. In this case, I am part owner of the product. It is, I am one of the owners and founders of, the, of you know, Puncher Chance Bourbon. 
So it goes farther than that. And usually whenever I'm involved with a company, whether it's my energy drink coming out, which is the most natural energy drink um, that will be known to man, it's no sugar, all natural. You can drink four or five cans of this a day with no crash. It doesn't have the, the crap in it that I'm sorry to say that Monster and Red Bull have, the taurine and stuff, which is not very good for you, to be, to be quite honest. Um, this is natural. This is vitamin infused, amino acid infused. It's made for athletes. It's made for the common man or woman. So these companies, that company's out of England. They're also handling my cologne and toiletry lines coming out. I'm distributing these products in 40 countries around the world. We're expecting anywhere from 50 to 100 plus million dollars in sales in the next 12 months with, with the demand that we have coming in. So I've signed myself with the best. They have a marketing department. Okay. I don't need to hire a marketing department. I yeah, have it at their sure. disposal. So that's the beauty of licensing, the way that I work it. But I just don't go in for a photo shoot, do a day of videos and photos and say, okay, I'm done. Right. No, I stay involved. Yeah. My name's on it and I'm part of the company and I own part of the company. Then I run it like it's my company. Yeah. But I don't. Yeah. Have you know what? It's, uh, you know, it's, it's really, I think it's really inspiring. There's a lot of people that are, are probably listening to this right now that, you know, I mean, you're a regular guy, grew up in a regular family. You know, there wasn't uh, any doors that were open for you. It was just grind and hustle. Right. And, and saying yes and showing up. No, Gary, no silver spoon in my mouth. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely get that, Bruce. And, and we like that. You know, it's interesting. The other thing I like about you too, Bruce, is that your authenticity. I mean, you're into, you're introduced to me, you know, a while back by a mutual friend of ours, Kevin. Uh, and right from the very first conversation, just down to earth, you get it. You know, we're not saving dying children here. Um, you know, you just common sense. And you talk about authenticity around branding, around being yourself. Um, you know, you've done a very good job leveraging your, your brand. I know you don't do any rehearsals, you know, before you, you know, obviously you prep your, your cards and your notes on the fighters, but you go in there and you're, and your, 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 your purpose is to be as authentic as possible. It's me. I want it to be my way, not somebody else's way. True. And th there's two types of voices, your re rehearsal voice and live announcing voice. Okay. I make sure I have the fighters' names down, but I don't, you know, I'm not in the shower, you know, screaming Chuck Liddell, you know, or whatever the name <laughs> yeah. um, I just want to go out there. I want to feel the energy of the crowd and feed off their energy, in turn, creating my energy. I don't think anybody announces with the passion and the energy that I have. They certainly try. Much respect to all announcers out there. They used to copy my brother, still do, the great Michael Buffer. And now I find they're trying to copy me with what I say or how I move. And I tell everybody, one thing is very important in your life and business, okay? Entertainment, sports, business, whatever. Look at all, look at the top three people that are the best at what they do in the field that you're in. Analyze what they do, what makes them so popular, then take it all and juxtapose it into a ball and create your own identity, right? Make it work. In business, I do truly believe in the KISS theory. Keep it simple, Sam. Keep it simple, Susan. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. It's like right. fighting. You know, in fighting, it's a, it's a jab, it's a cross, it's a round kick, it's a front kick. Um, it's very, very basic. These are, these are the moves that win fights. Yeah. There's moves in business that win business. All business is the same to me. It's just the product that's different. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well said. Well said. So, Bruce, if you look back right now and, and talk about the UFC part of it right now, I mean, this is obviously a question you get a lot. You know, a couple of the top fights that you've seen in the last uh, 25 years that you found really inspiring. Obviously, you got to go back to the Stefan Bonner fight, you know, that kind of kicked it all off. Well, that would be number one in result of the fact that the effect it had on the entire sport and the effect it had on the UFC. At the time, Spike TV was airing us. Uh, 12 million people, 12 and a half million people tuned into that fight when it was happening, calling everybody to look at it. Um, the UFC was 44 million in the hole. They were ready to sell it. 
they rolled eight million, nine million on the Ultimate Fighter TV show. It, it all catapulted and and culminated into that main event, which just took off. And you know, after that, there's there's been so many great fights. So many. I mean, you can even look at the Michael Chandler Poirier fight last yeah. Saturday. Oh my God! Moment, incredible, incredible. The moment I see what I think is a great fight, it's really one of the great fights. I cannot tell you who the greatest fighter is. I cannot tell you what the great greatest fight is. I've seen many of each and I will continue to see many of each as, as we go on. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, you know, it, it's amazing. There's so many lessons obviously in, in the tenacity and the fight that these fighters have in them. Um, I just want to go back to just a couple more of these uh, bufferisms. Um, this one really resonated big tears and no fears forever. You can't live in fear. Uh, live in such a way that you're always celebrating life. Wake up every day happy, knowing you're the best that you can be. If you banish your fear, you'll you'll rest easy, knowing that you can handle anything you come up against. When an athlete succeeds, everybody cheers. So why not do that for yourself? Kiss pretty girl, cheers. Land a commission at work, cheers for yourself. You know, so so I mean, it's funny because we get so caught up in in our bad days and and the victim mentality that you know that that poisons people for life. And I think you sum it up really well. Yeah, you know, it's just you can be you can walk around and bathe in negativity or you can walk around and take pride in positivity and you don't want to be false with yourself you want to look in the mirror and be real with yourself okay but it's like john lennon said there are no problems there's only solutions and if you really look at life that way and work through the problems and as far as mistakes and stuff life is full of learning experiences when you experience something new and it didn't go well you did it what you consider wrong that's not a mistake that's a learning experience but if you do it again then you're making a mistake Okay, so you don't want to make mistakes in life, but you want to learn from life. Right. But yes, you've got to be positive. A positive attitude is everything, but be realistic about it. Don't be cocky about it. We all need ego to survive, but there's two types of egos. There's constructive ego, which we definitely should have to succeed in life. And there's conceited ego, which quite frankly will cause you to make the wrong decisions. And a lot of them emotional because you're not being real to yourself. So stay, yeah. constructive. stay constructive. Something I've always said, Bruce, to, to a lot of people, I mean, you got to be so unbelievably careful. It's those most successful that, you know, become most vulnerable, right? Because they stop doing the things that they did to get them to, you know, where they got to and they start coasting a little bit and respond to calls slower and that sort of stuff. How do you keep yourself sort of at the top of your game? Because it appears to me that at the 64 now or something, by the way, you're in great shape. It appears to me that you have a lot of energy, right? And you're continuing to sort of build, you know, on what you've already built. Well, you know, I'm 65 now. I turned in May and, you know, still got my six packs, still working out all natural, doing everything the right way. Staying in shape is 75% what you eat, 25% how you train. It's it's like a car. You put lousy oil on the car, the car's not going to drive well. You put lousy food in your body, eat fast food all day long, you're not going to act well. You're not going to operate well. You can be as successful as you possibly be, but if you don't have your health, you have nothing. And, it, and you need that drive. You need that energy to get through the day. So, it's, it's just very important to um, always step on the road, the pathway you're saying, like I say in my podcast, when you step on that yellow brick road, be the best you can be. I mean, if you're first and you're champion, great. If you're fifth, fourth, whatever. But if you're doing the best you can do, you want to be the best you can be. Right. And you got to believe in yourself. It's the old story. You got to love yourself before you can love anything around you. Yeah. And again, constructively, not conceitedly. Right. Bruce, did you grow up with a mentor? Did you? Was there anybody that you looked up to? Was it? Was it your dad at home? Was he an entrepreneur? What? Like, like, you know, who did you look up to and aspire to? It was totally my father. Yeah, my father uh, didn't graduate high school. Um, served in World War II uh, in Korea. Was a Marine for 13 years. Drill instructor at Camp Pendleton. 
hand-to-hand combat, great <laughs> sergeant, the whole bit. I grew up with a very tough dad who who taught me fighting techniques when I was six before I went to school or five, whatever it was. And uh, he was an entrepreneur. He uh, ran Fortune 500 companies. He ran top businesses of why we moved so much. And then when we moved to Malibu, he quit with the money he had in the bank. We didn't have a lot of money. And he quit to do what he loved most, which was write and books and screenplays. And he had his first book published in a year. And then we cut our teeth, um, you know, selling and marketing those antique weapons and artifacts at these gun shows that we as a family would go to almost every weekend to make the money that we needed to survive as a family. So I would say we went broke as a family two or three times and together we got together and we came out of it together. And that's what gave me a lot of my entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, that's incredible. You know, it's funny. I, I grew up, you know, boxing and kickboxing my entire life too. And I, you know, still just until a few years ago, you know, started to, you know, train fairly regularly. Uh, and I think it's such a foundation. I mean, like it instills so much confidence. It makes life so much easier when you're going through, you know, sort of like elementary and middle school. It just gives you the confidence to, you know what, to just like, you know, stand up for yourself. And I mean, it just, I think it's a huge foundation. Do you recommend that today? I mean, you're talking to people, I mean, you still love fighting. Is the message get the kids in as early as possible? Is there a certain direction these days, you know? Yeah, you know, I think it's very good to get kids in um, to either a kickboxing or jujitsu class. Maybe start with uh, kickboxing, work in jujitsu or vice versa. Just find a good dojo that's really near, that's near you with a good sensei that really runs it well. Because it builds confidence. It's not that they're going in there to beat each other up or anything, but it, it teaches them unity. It teaches them the honor. It teaches them uh, how to believe in themselves and their body's abilities. So, no, I think it's very, very, very important. Very important. No question. Yeah, yeah. So, so Bruce. Uh, and that stands for. How do you identify success for you? You know, you built this incredible, you know, entrepreneur engine. You got these businesses. You you got you know, celebrity fame, you're in movies and, and guests like for you, when you sit back, do you, you know, do you consider, I mean, obviously you're successful. Are you happy? Like, like how, how do you define happiness and success? Passion. I'll say it again. Um, yeah. Passion is one of my favorite words. If you're, if you realize what you're passionate about and you wake up in the morning and that's the job you have, you've monetized your passion, then you're not going to work. You're living a lifestyle, Right. And lifestyle is much more important than, than saying, oh, I got to go to work. No, I stand, I wake up, I slap myself in the face, look in the mirror and say, hey, it's time to be the best I can be. Every night I walk into the octagon after 27 years of being in the octagon, like last Saturday, that was, that, to me, that was like an audition in a way that I had approved myself. Yeah. Powers of B, Dana, my, my mom, you know, my friends, everybody, the fighters, the fans, that I deserve this job. I don't live on my laurels. I mean, what I did last week was last week. You'll never hear about what I did last week. I'm only going to talk about what I did today because that means I've proven myself I can do that. Yeah, it's it's never over, right? Every single day, it's a new addition. I love that uh, that mindset. What what are you still trying to achieve, Bruce? That you haven't maybe achieved. You know, I I have the ability to to, and the avenues to do so many things. Um, I want to achieve and show people. As an entrepreneur, I want to be a role model to other entrepreneurs out there, as I feel that I have been. I wrote my book as a as a role model book or a uh, honorarium to entrepreneurs out there, along with all the stories that are in it. I just want to be the best I can be. I just want to be a role model to the people around me, like I'll say that again, be a, to my sphere of influence, because we live in a decaying society of morality. I don't, I'm not going to contribute to that. And what the United States here, what we've been through politically in the last four to six years, um, 
or four years has divided this country tremendously. It's, it's a shame to see what's going on. Um, but I'm going to stand tall above it. I'm going to stand tall and be, and just be the best role model I can be, not just to my sphere of influence, but to myself, you know, I want to take pride in what I do. I want to be good to my family. Everything I do in business is I want to make sure that all my loved ones, whether they're my blood or not around me, never have to worry about anything the rest of their lives. You know, I have a three foot theory. If everybody around me is happy, prosperous and healthy, it will all come back to me. Yeah. That's cool. yeah. Good for you. Very powerful. You know, it's interesting. I mean, something that, that sort of drives me, I've always said, I just, I never want my kids, you know, to think that I didn't do something I wanted to do. I just want to be able to, you know, just say that like whatever I wanted to do, I at least tried it. I went, I did it. I wanted to learn how to fly a helicopter. I fly helicopters. I wanted to learn how to kickbox, learn how to become a fighter. I wanted to build a, a business. I wanted to build a business. And, you know, it's interesting to hear you talk about every week is a new addition because, you know, every time, you know, we get in front or we're talking to somebody, I mean, it's, you know, what we did in the past is in the past. Right. And, you know, it's, it's a new fight every day. Yeah. It's a new fight every day. That close you made last week is not going to take the close you're going to do this next week. That was yeah. last week. Prove it again. Do it again. If you're, you know, I would tell even my godson and my nephew, I, I never, when I was a kid, I've never been married. I've almost been divorced twice, but I, I don't have children, right? Uh, but I helped raise two boys. And <laughs> these boys are amazing. And I told them, like my dad told me, you know, when you're at school and the bully comes up to you and they bully you, punch him right between the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, yeah. don't don't take any crap because no. in life and in business, if you show your weakness like that, then then people are going to prey on you. Absolutely. And in, in business, the hard part is not ramping up to get that level of success. It's the, the hard part or the more the part that really takes a lot of work, along with all the other work needed, is to maintain that success when you get there. Now, there's my nephew, Rupert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How cute. Crazy. Good work, Dave. That's my hey, boy. We're going to wrap here in just a minute because I know you have another engagement that you got to get to. But uh, first off, uh, we were really excited about bringing you to uh, Dominion Lenny Centers. Uh, we loved all the all the commercials that we filmed with you uh, back in LA. The, the 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 feedback from the team was incredible. They all said you were an absolute you know pro to work with. Uh, we're excited. We've been running the commercials. We're in a big heavy campaign right now. We're getting great feedback uh, from them. Thank you. We're looking forward to doing a lot more stuff going forward with you. Um, before we wrap, I always, uh, one of the things I like to do with some guests is what I call rapid fire. I'm going to ask you a series of questions and just give me a, uh, an answer to them. Sure. So I'm going to start. Before you do, Gary, let me just say your team is amazing. I've had nothing but great experiences from the moment I met you and how you run your business. I mean, you're, 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 you're awesome, Gary. I'm, yeah, I you. respect you very much. And the team that I've worked with, I love filming those commercials. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you surround yourself with fine people and that is part that's, that's it. That's a very key factor in this life. Yeah. Very key yeah. factor. Yeah, absolutely. Is we're incredibly grateful and very lucky that we've attracted, you know, the kind of caliber team we have. So thanks for recognizing that B. Uh, so, uh, so Bruce, happy or content? Happy, happy texting or talking, talking. Hey, and listen, by the way, I want to just say something for you. I'm going to, and, and I'm sure that this isn't always the case and obviously I won't ever abuse it, but there it was a few fights back. It was an incredible fight. I can't even remember what card it was. And I texted you in between rounds to, Hey beast, like what a great fight that was. And I guess you were in between rounds yourself and you actually texted back. It's yeah. funny because I've been talking about speed of response to people and, and availability. I mean, you know, obviously we have our limits, but very, very, uh, you know, I remember saying like, Holy shit, this guy, this guy, this guy's got to figure it out. You know what? There's no, thank you, Gary. There's no excuse not to make a call back and there's no excuse not to text back unless it's somebody you just don't want to talk to then block them. Yeah, that's exactly right. Nickname, maybe, you know, your friends or your parents called you growing up. Buff. Buff? Buff. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Makes sense. That's great. Secret indulgence. What do you love that nobody knows? Oh, wow. That's interesting. That nobody knows that I love. Oh, God, I can't believe I got to think about this. <laughs> uh, wow. Or you're indulgent. It doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to be what nobody knows, but secret indulgence. Is it whiskey? Is it chocolate? You know, is it? Um, frozen yogurt filled with Butterfingers and Oreos. <laughs> it is definitely <laughs> that I indulge in maybe three, four times a year, but I'll eat a quart of it, not a, not a pint. <laughs> that, that sounds like a pretty, 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 uh, pretty great indulgent. Uh, pet peeve. What, what is it? It just pisses you off. Uh, liars and conceited people. Yeah. Talking about liars. I love that. You say, you know what? It's, it's what you, you, you've said in the past. It's, it's way too hard to keep up to your lies. So I never lie. The only place I ever lie is on the poker uh, table. You are a professional poker player. Tell me about lying on the poker table. You know, it's part of the, it's part of the fun. I mean, you know, we're not there to make friends. All the friends are sitting at the table. I'm there to take your chips. I'm there to take your money and have a good time. And if I get a lie while I have a hand, you know, when, and when I say lie, it's like, you know, you don't want them to know what's in your hand. Yeah, you're bluffing. I play, I, play the, I play the players. The saying goes, play the player, not the cards. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot to poker that people don't realize. It's not just getting cards and playing a hand. Are you it's, still uh, are you still actively uh, getting in the odd game? Yeah. I mean, I COVID cut it down a bit. I just did a live tournament in Vegas uh, that was televised on the Internet. Um, 178 people. 5,000 entry fee each, uh, paid 175,000 at first, 175 at ninth. Played Daniel Negreanu and Maria Ho and uh, took pots off Daniel, all in pots too. I went up going out of 16th. I, I just yeah. missed the money. So, That's awesome. You can look me up on cardplayer.com. I've, I've won quite a bit of money on the professional poker circuit. Yeah. I don't know where it is, but I won it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, favorite holiday? Uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, good for you. Favorite cocktail? What is Bruce drink? Obviously bourbon now. I, I bourbon old fashioned. Yeah, old fashioned. Yeah, good. Uh, favorite music? Favorite type of music? Rock and roll. Good old rock and roll. Uh, and Bruce, uh, last question today. What are you most grateful for? I'm most grateful for the uh, the love of my family and the, the uh, complete tightness I have and the close-knit family that I have. We've been an unbreakable source of strength supporting each other all through life and you can go through life and have one or two great friends that will take a bullet for you hopefully you get to that point but if you're good with your family your family will always be there for you and i'm always you know what and to still have mom at 94 years old i mean wow what a gift that is for you thank you lights my day up every time i see her thank god for facetime gary yeah it solved a lot of problems with a lot of people it sure does yeah it sure does yeah hey b listen uh i just want to wrap by saying thank you uh, you're a great guy. I really enjoy uh, talking to you every time we talk. I'm really glad Kev made the introduction. I mean, it's turned into, you know, amazing things. It's working really well. The feedback on our advertising has been awesome uh, here in Canada. Uh, so thank you for that. I know we are going to do some, uh, we're going to put together a program where you can, you'll actually do some personalized videos and intros and outros for some of our local offices. We're excited about that. We're going to roll that out probably uh, sometime next year. Um, I will, uh, I will keep in touch. Um, to all of our sponsors, uh, to First National, thank you for uh, doing what you do and supporting the Canadian mortgage industry and in, in uh, particular Dominion Lane Centers group of companies. Uh, B, thank you. We'll be in touch soon. Have a great day to all of you uh, listening in uh, on all of these social media channels. We really appreciate your time. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks very much.